y'all. It's Betsy with the Dickie Foundation, and you're listening to Dickie's Doing Good, the podcast where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in the community. I'm thrilled because my guest today is Officer Misty McBride. Misty has been in law enforcement for more than 11 years and is currently with the Garland School District. She was also one of the officers shot on the night of July 7, 2016 in Dallas. Thanks so much for joining me today, Misty. Thank you for having me. So, but for folks who don't know you quite as well as I do, tell us about yourself, uh, your law enforcement <laughs> career, and how you came to be where you are now. Uh, let's see. I started at uh, DART in 2010, and I was with them about nine years. And then um, I decided I need a little break after 7-7. So I went and um, I work at security at the Garland School District. And then I also reserve at a Tom Bean Police Department because I couldn't give it up all the way, just just a little bit to be out there, you know, seven days a week doing it. So, um, and so that's why. So you're keeping your badge. So that's what you're doing. Yeah, with reserve. exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My daughter said when I left, we had a conversation, and she said you have to keep your badge because you work too hard for it. So that was one of the stipulations. So I became a reserve. Okay. So instead of chasing bad guys, I chase cows and chickens across the road. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little lower stress, L- little, little less lower. dangerous, a little more country than, than the streets of South Dallas. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so talk to me a little bit. So Dart had Dart, and for those folks who are listening who, who may not live in Dallas, that's our Dallas area rapid transit. It's our it's our public transportation here. Talk to me about how, kind of how Dart police is different than DPD, kind of the training and how y'all interface. Uh, the training is everybody goes to the same academy mm-hmm. to get your uh, to get your basic license. But if you work for a city, then if something happens and you get a call, then it's generally to a house mm-hmm. or a business. So you know exactly where you're going. If you're with Dart, then they could say it could be on a train that's say up in North Dallas. But by the time you can catch it, it is either in downtown or South Dallas because you have to wait to catch it or at one of the train stations or a bus. They go all over the Metroplex, um, depending on traffic. Then you may be going through different of our channels, trying to get figure out whoever's closest to get to it. So we basically chase calls a lot. That does sound like a lot of chasing. So you, you get a call for a bus driver. There's something, you know, suspicious going on on the bus, and you got to find out where they are and hunt them down? Yeah, pretty much. They um, Like their dispatch will let our dispatch know. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you know, you get the call. If you get the call at, like, 12, well, then we get it at like 1205. Mm-hmm. Then the bus is gone. And if it, if it kept going, if it shut down, okay. If not, if it kept going, then you have to figure out the route, go find, find them, fight traffic, find other people who are mad at you because you're in a cop car. And just, you know, it's just you're basically trying to chase it and hunt it down. If it stays in one place, then that's even better because then <laughs> hopefully they're there. We right. can get to them a lot quicker. Yeah, I mean, that, that's tricky. I mean, DPD is getting called out to a house or a business or something like that. You're getting called to a moving target. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's, that's a totally different kind of law enforcement. So, so, so what, what drew you to career in law enforcement? Actually, um, I've always wanted to help people. But growing up, I grew up watching Chips. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's the motorcycles. It was cool. You know, there were women that were officers so i was like okay that's kind of cool you know mm-hmm. they're like little teeny tiny women and i'm not a teeny tiny woman so <laughs> i was like oh i can do this because so, how tall are you i am six foot my goodness okay so i'm i'm you know very very tiny not too teeny but kind of short sure <laughs> got it absolutely <laughs> petite petite uh, yes <laughs> so I've, i always wanted to do it and then i just did you know other stuff and then 
Actually, I was talking to a former police chief at a department, and she, I told her what I wanted to do. She said, well, go work at the jail. So I went to Dallas. That way, I can get used to being around people and being in close quarters. Mm-hmm. So I went and did that for a couple of years, and then I kept seeing DART officers come in. So I went and filled out an application, and you know, a couple months later, I got a call, turned your notice in. So then I moved over. So now instead of babysitting people at jail, I take people to jail. Okay. I mean, yeah. And I, I've got to imagine being a jailer, that, that's a that's a rough job. I mean, no. first off, nobody's happy to see you. No. <laughs> no, no nobody's happy to be where they're at. So, I mean, talk to me, like, you know, again, being in real close quarters with people who are, who are kind of angry. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not too happy. You know, the food's not the greatest. And, you know, of course. It's not, it's not Dickie's Barbecue. It is definitely not Dickie's Barbecue. <laughs> it's, I don't even know. I mean, they may say it's barbecue, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not ours. It is definitely not yummy. I think I've actually gotten Dickies and gone up there and taken it for dinner one night. And of course, they all get mad because they can all see what you're eating. So they're like, uh, we didn't get that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so again, so I mean, Dar, you say you saw them bring it in and you're like, hey, this is moving targets. So this is a little this this is a little more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to babysit adults all day. Right. So, yeah, but, you know, and you, you get to go and because it was depending on what shift you're on. I'm like, I go to jail like twice a day. Because when I work deep nights, then I would get off like 6, 6.30 in the morning. Well, then I'd have you back at 11. I was like, dang, I go to jail every night. Sometimes like, you know, twice a night. And it, get, it got kind of old. And I was like, I want, you know, I want to be a cop. So mm-hmm. she said that would be a good stepping stone. Okay. And then when I met the DART officers and was talking with them, because they are in close quarters. And you, you know, you go, you get on a train and it's 5 o'clock during the week. Then it's packed. So you have people right up on you. So that kind of teaches you. To be used to people right on you. Gotcha. Well, speaking of crowds of people, I mean, we'll, we'll go talk about 7-7, um, the, our, our, the shooting that happened here in downtown Dallas that you're more than familiar with. Uh, so so you stayed to help help, help with protest. It, it, was, it looked like it was relatively peaceful, and then it just kind of exploded and probably turned into one of the worst days you've had. Tell, tell me about that. I mean, I've got to think getting shot four times is a bad day. It, it's not a good day. I mean, I've had better. I've had worse, actually, but <laughs> different, different that's aspects. A bad, that's a bad day. <laughs> you know, I mean, when, yeah, you can get shot or you can get stuff thrown on you. It just kind of kind of depends on how you kind of, you know, I think it was a bad day. You get, you know, people throwing urine and feces on you. That's, well, that's a bad, a bad day, day, That's too. a bad day. So getting shot sucks, too, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so it's, so it's July seventh. It seems like it's going to be okay. It's a relatively peaceful protest, and then the shooter the, the shooting happens, and you were shot four times. And initially, maybe you had heard gunshots, and you all ran toward them because, as first responders, that's what you all do. Mm-hmm. The rest of the people are running away, and you're running toward that. Tell me, tell me about this. Tell me what's going on in, in your in your head when this is going on. Uh, well, actually, I had just finished having dinner, like probably two blocks away from where everything happened with my partner. And we were outside and you could see people walking the streets because we, we could hear on our radio where like our command post was and our sergeant was talking about it. Hey, they're going down Maine. They're going here. And looking down the streets, we could see it because we we're just standing outside. And I was like, heard them. They started making their way back to where everybody was mm-hmm. back to the um, where actually the incident happened. So I, I got in my car that I had borrowed from Brent. Because uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to walk. And uh, he's like, no, I'll take my car two blocks. So we fought about that. Then so I drove down there. We ate. I drove back, um, parked his car back at our uh, our little bus station 
And I remember going inside and when I walked in, I was like, here, you know, I threw him the keys and he was on the phone with his wife, Emily. And uh, I was like, hey, I need a ride. He's like, okay. And I was like, is that Emily? Yeah, I love you. And because co-worker and uh, <laughs> then we walked at my me and my partner. Then we walked out the door and then he walked out the other door and saw him drive off. And we walked up. We were standing at a stop sign right on the corner. And, uh, you know, we were talking. Everybody down there knew us because we worked evening. <laughs> so they knew me because I've been down there for a while. And um, we were just talking. We were talking about like the MLK, you know, the marches and stuff <laughs> and comparing them and different things. And then. Uh, you, know, you can still see the people kind of walking around and then we heard um heard pops going off my partner and I, we look and we're like firecrackers because it was just after fourth of july and people still do that stuff mm -hmm. people do that stuff in the middle of march i mean if you look on next door people are like was that gunshots or firecrackers She's exactly like, ah, maybe either one i know it could be either way so <laughs> it was like what but then we heard it more we're like no that's gunfire mm. so um chris and i we start running towards we like run across the railroad tracks and we go towards the other bus area and um, we're trying to get everybody else to run. You know, we're telling them, saying some, some verbals to leave the area and we go, we're running across and he runs behind the bus bay and I'm running in front of the bus bay. And then I felt a, uh, a pop mm -hmm. and um, felt a pop in my arm and I just kind of stopped and was like, what was that? And, um, you know, it started burning. Like somebody was, I don't know, playing, had taken a firecracker and was stuck it up right behind my arm, you know, burning me mm -hmm. and um, looking around. And then, you know, it was super dark down there normally. And it was looking up and it was full of lights. And I'm like, nope, nope, not my time, not going, not doing it now. And then turned around and uh, threw myself on the ground, started crawling. And uh, there's a, uh, if anybody knows anything about this, uh, Rosa Parks Plaza. Mm -hmm. And there's a statue of Rosa Parks on a bus bench in the middle of this plaza. Big okay. old bronze statue. Can't miss it. And I remember looking up. That's the only thing I could see. And I started crawling um, to that statue because I'm like, I'm getting behind the statue because Rosa's fixing this, you know, save my ass because nothing's getting through it. Right. And then my partner ran up in front of me and I remember seeing these huge calves. <laughs> big old huge like size 15 shoes and huge calves and i knew it was him and um i was like get me up get me up there's something wrong he picks me up and we're running across kind of dodging bullets or you know we're just dodging running through trees and um get behind cover and he starts he sees my arm i'm still yelling at people to go i'm thinking i'm fine you know i had like you know might have gotten scratched or something and uh, he's working on my arm. And then another officer ran up because the train stopped. He runs up. He's looking at me. I get my tourniquet out. I throw it out on. I can't hear. I lost my glasses. The one day I wore glasses to the contact. My glasses <laughs> are gone. Um, I'm that, like, that's that's the worst, too. And I, I, I have to wear glasses <laughs> or contacts. And so I know without them, you're just like totally just blind to the world. And you're like, what is going on? I know. Is, I know. That makes it even scarier. It, it, and I even tried to grab my sunglasses because they were in my pocket. Uh -huh. Yeah, they were gone. My little Oakleys were somewhere. So I had no glasses. Couldn't and you, see. And, and you lost your Oakleys. I lost my Oakleys. That's horrible. And that's, I'm like, really? No, we got to find those. <laughs> I can wait. We need to find my Oakleys real fast. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, no, no sight. Or I, I could see, but, you know, I'm squinting and mm -hmm. looking like a little 80 year old lady trying to, hmm, what? And uh, couldn't hear anything. I'm reading lips. I could, I could see people running, 
And then all of a sudden, then I could hear stuff, commotion, and uh, the guys didn't know how to put a tourniquet on. <laughs> so, so, so we need to train them better in first aid next time. Yes, yes. Yeah, because they were actually doing training. I had actually been to training in May, right before that. So that's why I had my tourniquet. So I actually had one, pulled it out. I'm putting on my tourniquet. Like I'm literally like leaning because I couldn't move my arm. Wow. So I'm putting it on. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and then Chris, he gets it. He's trying to tighten it. And he's holding it. He's like, I'm trying to take it. It's going to hurt. I'm not feeling anything. I'm like yelling. I'm still yelling at people, moving people. And you can hear people screaming and looking. And they see it's me. So like, oh, something's wrong. Right. And then he gets the tourniquet on me. And they get we get the, the squad car comes up, which was my partner I just ate with because mm. she had my car. So we jump in the car and uh, she starts driving and starts heading towards uh, Baylor mm -hmm. to take me to the hospital. And that that was an adventurous ride, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine the streets are still full of people at this time. Yeah. Oh, so you're trying to get around people, people. And then, of course, every red light hit. So we have to stop because you still got to clear a street, right? Because you don't want to get hit while you're going. So we're going down the streets. And every time she hit a red light, she's, because I'm six foot. She's 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, so her seat's like way up to the front. Mm -hmm. My seat's all the way back. Right. So every time she stopped, she did the mama thing. Oh, with the, the hand with the seat hand. belt. So she's sitting over here <laughs> driving. Her hand across. Yes, so. every, but because of our size difference, she couldn't hit my chest. Every single time she hit, she hit my arm. Oh, no. So then I scream. She stops. She, she does the arm. I scream. She stops. We clear. We go. She takes off her hand, starts driving. I quit screaming. Well, there's like, of course, there seemed like there was a thousand lights downtown. So we do that, you know, three, four or five times. And she's like, I'm trying to get there. And I'm like, just don't touch my arm. Quit grabbing my arm. <laughs> she's like, oh, so then we're driving and she's like where she, she was helping she you thought she was and i keep screaming because she's grabbing my arm trying to be protective right it didn't work <laughs> i'm like i'm not going anywhere um and then she kept asking me where we're we going hospital where are we going hospital okay right. first you grab my arm so it hurts now you keep asking me where we're going to the hospital you know where the right. emts doctors are so she's going, she keeps asking me, and then we come out from downtown. I can see the big blue cross in the sky at Baylor. I was like, go there. So I'm like, turn left. Turn left. She ain't turning. Turn left. left. Do me drive, turn left. I mean, I wish, I wish there was like a camera in this car because it had to be comical with us. Through all know, the everything going on, I still but have to. I mean, that's really interesting. Also, in the sense that we expect our first responders, y'all, to just be able to like handle the pressure, handle the stress. And obviously, she she was so stressed and so concerned about you and everything that had been going on that it's like, not like where are we going? Mm -hmm. um, what what an, I mean, a different response to stress. I mean, and we all have different responses to it. And, um, you know, glad, glad you knew how to get to Baylor. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Give her those glad I worked that area. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I'm just like, just turn. You'll get there. But just turn left and we can just follow. It's over. You know, you can see it. Right. Eventually, if we keep turning streets, we'll get there. So I'm like, I'm like, go turn left, turn left. So she does it. And I'm like, turn left. So she finally does. And we pull up. And I'm like, finally. You know, like I say, it was very emotional, but it was comical. Right. You know, because I'm like, go. It was the longest eight minute drive to Baylor. Ever. Oh, my gosh, it was. It, it, it was. It seemed like it was an hour to get there. But, I mean, we pulled up and um, she pulled up in the in the bay and gets out, comes over there and opens up the door because I'm like sitting like this. And 
um, you know, hold my arm and I'm trying to, so she gets out and I get out, she shuts the door and I'm walking in and then uh, another squad car pulled up behind us. Mm -hmm. And so she got trapped over there. So I'm looking, she, you know, I'm like, okay. So I just started walking in the hospital and uh, there were a couple other officers there. With your arm, time. with your tourniquet. With the tourniquet. Because you think at this point, the only thing that's happened is you've been shot the one time in the arm. Yeah, now you know I've been shot. I just know something's wrong. Okay. So I don't know if I've been grazed. I don't know the damage that's been done so far. Okay. Um, I just know I can't move my arm because it, when it went, when the bullet went through, it broke my bone. So I could not lift my forearm. So I'm holding my forearm. So it's just not flapping there. And I'm trying to, you know, walk, speed walk in. Other officers looking at me, and then they turn. I'm just okay. So I keep walking in, and um, and like the doors just opened up, like hello. <laughs> and then I walk in, and there was like it seemed like like thirty. I don't even know how many people were there, like thirty or forty people, but they're all like staring at me. And I'm just standing there because by now they've heard what happened. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, uh, can I get some help? <laughs> and of course, me being as big as I am, I get the smallest nurse. Because I always do. And she's like, follow me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're trotting around over there. And they put me in a room. And then, and then all of a sudden, I've got everybody over there. And they start working on me. And then I can hear all the commotion of everybody coming in. Because I was the first one there. But now they've already got the, the initial officers that were shot and killed. They got them coming in. And so it's, to me, it sounds like chaos. But it was like perfectly planned and worked out chaos. Because everybody knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. and was taking care of everybody. And. You know, you would see people, I could, I could see people coming up and my partner's, um, she's over there and she's, I'm like, call my mom. She goes, okay. And so I'm trying to tell her, I'm going to call my mom because I don't, I don't want her hearing about this on TV. No, that's no way for a mom to hear that. I, I mean, I was, you know, I was almost 40 years old, but I'm still scared. Mom's going to kick my butt because I got <laughs> shot. <laughs> and uh, so she kept trying to do it, trying to do it. And I remember one of the nurses, because I kept saying the number. So she wrote the number on her arm. And would hold it up because she kept asking me the phone number. So I'm trying to do it. And they're trying to do all this stuff to me and asking me questions. And so obviously she finally got a hold of her and then um, told my mom and told my dad. Mom gave my dad the phone and said, here. And I'm talking. So they got every, you know, they ended up coming down there and got me moved around. And um, officers were coming in and, you know, checking and seeing. And they were cutting off all my uniform, my clothes and everything. And um it was uh it was still comedic then because the doctor i had um great great doctor he's the number one uh, gunshot wound doctor and um he's you know what about this how about this you know he's cutting off stuff and then cuts off my shirt my vest my vest came off somehow um cut off my undershirt and then that's when they saw the bullet on my stomach so then they start freaking out and i'm like what are you doing because i don't know and so they start freaking out and then he pulls out his little handy dandy scissors and starts to cut off my bra. He's like, I got to cut the bra. No, no. It's a $50 bra. Don't cut this bra. <laughs> I like the $50 bra. So then he goes up there and a little scheming. He, he cuts it. And I'm like, okay, okay. So he cuts that off and you know everybody sees all my glory and officers are leaving now. <laughs> like, okay, we see too much of Misty. And, um, and then they flip me over and he's checking because that's all they see are like two holes going in. Right. But no blood, nothing. So they're like, okay. So they roll me over and they're checking my back. There's no exit wounds. So they're, you know, like, does she have two bullets in her? Yeah. What happened? So they're rolling over, they're poking me and everything. And he's like, can you feel that? Does that hurt? No, 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 no. Doesn't. He's like, oh, wait. 
So I said, can you scratch there? Because that itches. Then my partner's yelling at me. She's hitting my misty beast. I'm like, I'm serious. It itches. Scratch my back. I'm fine. Because again, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they're doing. And um, so they sent me to uh, MRI and CAT scan. And then uh, I'm doing that. Then I come out and there's a Dallas sergeant standing there on the phone. And he says, Dart has a 27, which every off it's universal across the board. That's a down officer. And I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's the two that just helped me. I don't know if it's the three that were across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know who it is. And then, so I'm in my little room and everybody else knows and doctors are coming in and out, chiefs coming in and out. Um, the, uh, I have my two partners there watching me. I've still, I still have not seen how my arm looks to this point. Nobody will let me see it. Do you know at this point you've been shot? I know I've been, they finally told me. Okay. You've been shot. Um, like my partners told me. Like I have no, you know, they told me and um, I knew they pulled a bullet off my stomach. And and you were wearing protection. You were wearing protective armor, but because of the level of caliber and it was a rifle round that the shooter was using, it actually penetrated through the vest? Yes. Yes. It went in through the side, like my left side. Mm-hmm. And it went through the vest. And I tell everybody this guy is a big girl then <laughs> um, because it went through the fat. The doctor had said if it was a millimeter deeper, then it would have hit gone through the muscle, my organs, and I probably wouldn't be here. Mm. So it was, I was like, ooh, okay. So they did that. It went through, and then it had come out, but it didn't have enough velocity to get all the way out back through the vest. Gotcha. So basically, it seared itself when it went in. That's why there wasn't any blood. They were freaking out because they see two holes. There's no blood anywhere because when it went through and out, I guess it was so hot and so fast, they just seared it. So a bullet that's, I don't know, two inches long. It was mm-hmm. like half an inch now mm-hmm. laying on my stomach. So I knew that one because I'm looking down like, what are you doing? And I saw him pull the bullet off my stomach. Wow. And the doctor actually tried to hand it to my partner. She's like, what? I'm like, what is that? I want that bullet. And I'm like, bullet? So I kind of knew that. And then when I was in the room, after I did, when I did the MRI and stuff, they said, yeah, we're just checking to make sure everything's okay everywhere um and uh then when i went my private my i guess in my private little room but it wasn't you know everybody's in there um they told me all my partners had told me you've been shot in the arm and then i found out about brant so that i'm upset and you had just talked to brant yeah i mean i was with him less than 30 minutes before this oh so yeah i was he because he i was going to eat originally mm-hmm. and then i was like hey i'm gonna walk down there and he's like no there's pro now i said dude i can walk it's look look come here it's right there right we could see it and he's like no you're taking my car so we kind of argued laughingly about that and then yeah when i brought my keys back so it was 30 minutes so you know it's like a difference 30 minutes can make it can so but yeah i mean they um was in my little room and um it's weird because you see people coming in. Everybody's crying. Everybody knows. I still don't know what happened. And um, there was one little officer, and um, I'm hoping she was an officer because she had a black T-shirt said police on it. <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually an indicator, yes. Yes, I'm kind of hoping because she would pop in my room, and she would say, Jesus is going to be okay. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, nobody, like, nobody can see her. So I'm thinking, what kind of meds did y'all give me? All right. 
And she would leave and then she'd pop back in. Jesus is going to be okay. And so I'm, I'm like, do y'all see her? Of course, when everybody turned, they don't, right? And I'm looking, do y'all see her? So she did like four or five times. And I'm freaking out. Well, come find out later, one of our other officers, um, Jesus Rotana, that we call Jesse, she, he, he'd been hit and I didn't know because he was at the same hospital and they, because of my condition, his, they were keeping us separate and stuff. And she was telling me that he was going to be okay, but he didn't know. I think she was in Dallas because it wasn't one of ours. So she's like, geez, I'm like, what? Y'all just told me I'm going to be fine. Am I meeting Jesus? No, what, what's the deal here? So, you know, that's like the whole kind of, you know, that we laugh about it now. Right. She's like, right. like, yeah, it was Jesse. I'm like, she should have said it or retarded. I'll say Jesus. <laughs> like y'all lied to me. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's, that's definitely gotta be one of, one of the worst nights. And, and so you, you obviously you recovered and you went back, you, you got cleared and you, you went back to DART. Yes. Um, I was out about a year. Right. Doing recovery. And doing you went therapy. back to DART and they asked you to go downtown again. Yes. And what'd you say on that? Nope. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, fair. That, that's, a, that's a very legitimate answer. Um, absolutely. I, I mean, and so, so, and then, so that, that's why I assume you left DART at that point and, and you've d- done other security yeah uh i um yeah i just wasn't ready and they're like well you know you have to work dark you know you're not fit um if you can't work downtown i'm thinking okay there's other officers that don't but i'm getting picked on so i said okay so i ended up coming back and i ended up getting put in south dallas which was fine that's where i started mm-hmm. uh and i was uh on the force for about a year um i had I said hey there's these positions open even night shift uh, one day shift, you know, they were night, but I knew the people. So I knew if something happened or, mm-hmm. you know, cause I mean, I'm coming back and dealing with people, anything could happen. People, everybody's like, Oh, Hey, you're that lady was downtown. I said, no, that was the other white lady. Then they go off and they're like, hold on. I'm like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other six foot tall. Yeah. Lady. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the other white lady's like five, five in downtown. So, <laughs> um, but it was just kind of like, you know, I gave it all these options since they put me down there. And then, um, I was back home for about a year. And then um, I had to have back surgery because after talking to my uh, some a disc in my back had popped. So doctors like, oh yeah. So I had back surgery. And then by that time, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not going downtown. I'm not ready. So I um, left and uh, started being a reserve, mm-hmm. and then started working for the school district. So. You know, for for most of us in Dallas, we have to go downtown at some point. You know, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I assume we're talking five years later. You've been you've been downtown. I've been downtown several times, cutting through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done um, trying to avoid traffic in the Mixmaster. Yes, exactly. Always. <laughs> I know my little back street. Oh, okay, right? I do this. Um, we've done. Uh, you know, my daughter and I. We've done five um, Ks. Mm-hmm. They've gone down there and stuff, and I've been to events down there. There's um, Rosa Parks. I still have a little issue with because that's where I was. Yeah. But I mean, I go to the West End because when I went back on light duty, I had to work at our main headquarters, Mm -hmm. which was downtown. Right. And I had to ride the train, go right past it. I was okay. Mm -hmm. It was just literally going where I got shot. That's like the only little, I don't know, half a quarter of a block area. Right. That I didn't want to go. Right. But being downtown, if something happens, you have to go. You do. So, yeah, but... um, yeah, I mean, I've been downtown. Like I said, we cut through or 
gone to events down there, mm-hmm. doing different things, you know, go to restaurants, mm-hmm. all that kind of in that area. So I can, and I have, it's just, I didn't want to go that one little. Right. We're going to avoid that Rosa Parks Plaza. Still. Yeah, exactly. Under, understandably that. I mean, I've talked to other officers who have been by El Centro since, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things like I, I try to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't been back inside <laughs> the building. And so I very much understand that not wanting to go back there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so 7-7, uh, I, I think clearly probably changed your life. Um, I think it, it's one of those kind of reckoning moments and uh, changes things. But you're such a shining example of resilience. Talk to me about that and, and how you do that. Um, I guess, I don't, I mean, it, it's, it's me. I mean, this is just like my personality. You know, I'm not going to let, everybody says I'm only going to let one thing change my life. I mean, that's a pretty significant thing. It know? is. And, and um, I mean, I'm a single mom, so my parents help me out a lot, but it's, you know, I mean, I'm the only one there, my daughter. And uh, just, you know, her and just, you know, just trying to be positive and um, just, I mean, I can't, I can't dwell on it. I mean, but, you know, it's in the past, in the past. I still have my moments. Sure. But you just, you got to, I mean, you can't, you got to go forward. And, you know, it's, and that's whenever I talk um, at the school district, a lot of the SROs, they know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'll go in and talk, and I've talked to other police departments, and I'm like, it's, you know, you sign up, you know, you couldn't, you might not come home. You don't, you know, you want to come home every night. You know, it's like I told my daughter every night, I'll see, you know, I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I said that that same night was, you know, like a couple of days later, but <laughs> <laughs> when I got home, but. Well, and how and how old is your daughter now? Now she's 15. She's 15. So she was 10 at the time. And how remarkable that, that she saw what had happened to you. And then she also said, but mom, you need to keep your badge. Yes. Yes. That, that, she's like, you work too hard. Because, you know, I was in the academy when she was five. Mm-hmm. So she was, she's always known me. that mom is a cop. Mm-hmm. Yep. She knows her friends know, you know, I'm like, man, that's your mom. That's pretty cool. Or she's like, yeah, if she talks about it, you know, or all her friends there, you know, cause she was going into fifth grade uh-huh. at the time. So they all knew her and they're like, oh my gosh. And they're like, look, mom's got a little battle scar and, you know, <laughs> and stuff. And she's like, yeah, don't, don't poke her in the tummy though. And, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So if your daughter came to you and said, mom, I think I want to go into law enforcement too. What would you tell her? I would tell her if she want if that's what she truly wants to do, she can. Um, she's talked about firefighting, and I'm like, go ahead. I don't like I don't like to get burned. I don't like fire. <laughs> I love firefighters, but I don't want to get burned, so I can't be one. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, if that's what you know she wanted to do, mm-hmm. but um, out of all her changing of, you know, I want to be this when I grow up. It's never been a cop. She likes the forensic side. Uh-huh. Um, she's actually taking a forensics class in high school right now. So they're kind of learning about different stuff and she likes that part of it, but she doesn't like the uh, 10, 12 hours over deep nights and going and going and, you know, not knowing, not having a set schedule. Right. She's not really in that part, but if she says she wanted to do it, I'd be like, okay. I don't think you like it, but <laughs> go do it right out with some people I know, and you know. So yeah, those ride-alongs that'll uh, you know give you a whole lot of respect for police officers yes. right there. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> 
Well, so uh, so almost a year after uh, after you were shot, you um you you you're a boxer and you're a fighter, and you signed up for the Guns and Hoses tournament. You came and said, "Hey, I want to do this," and they were like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> so, tell tell me about that. I mean, talk about resilience. <laughs> you're like, I just got cleared, and now let's go punch people in the face. Heck yeah! Um, <laughs> I um I had worked with uh, David Swavey, who's head of uh, guns and hoses and i've been to his gym talking you know we've done events and he helped us out a lot and um so i went by his gym and they were learning about guns and hoses because that year uh they actually honored the injured so i was there uh -huh. for that and then i kept hanging out and i was like i want to do it so three days they were doing tryouts and three days after i got cleared i got my letter from my dog get cleared from the doctor i took it to him and they were doing little trials and i threw him i said i want to fight he's like what are you clear right here I, I, doctor <laughs> says i'm clear i can fight so um he's like okay so they started training you know and um it's it's very because it's you know it's they match up kind of by size age sure. for police and fire well with guys it's a whole lot easier and with females there's shorter firefighters short of, but there's not a whole lot of six foot firefighters that want to fight mm -hmm. so um, i end up uh fighting a uh garland uh sro mm -hmm. and Scoria source offer yes Scoria. Mm -hmm. and um so i ended up fighting her and uh it was fun it was you know it was it was kind of a it was a first match and it was kind of a um one like a real match match but uh but you won right it came out as a draw so you won but i won you won we go we both got a belt <laughs> you got a cool new belt. I got a cool belt, a little boxing belt. It's pretty cool. Um, well, how are you able to do this? I mean, again, you got shot in the arm <laughs> a, a year earlier, and you did this. It took a lot of toughness and resilience, I guess, to keep my left arm up. Because I had that's that was my blocking arm, and by the end, I'm just like, oh my gosh, just don't hit my arm, <laughs> please. It's like it's like hanging there. I'm just literally trying to hold it up, so I'm not like this. A couple of times it fell, and then they're like, yeah, let me get your arm up. I'm like. So it's not, you know, it was, it was, it was tough. It was, I mean, I trained and they helped me train a whole lot. And, um, cause we'd gone to them before and I was like, man, I want to do this. I want to do this. And then, you know, uh Oh happened. And, but I still did it. And then we just kept going. I was like, I want to do it again. <laughs> Have you done it again since? I haven't since. Okay. But like this year, I'm like, it really made me watching it. And I don't know if it's cause it was like five years later and it just, it really made me want to start, you know, get back into it and try to fight again this year, this next year. So who knows? I mean, talk about resilience. I'm like, I'm <laughs> you like, get shot why? a year later, you're going to go fight for charity. I, well, love I, know. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it was all charity and it was, you know, and the night I fought that year, they honored the fallen. Mm -hmm. So it, it was really emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, one of our, one of my uh, former sergeants, she wrote everybody's names on the back of my, my Jersey. And, um, you know, I had the whole team McBride out there with little Wonder Woman shirts that she made. Oh, and, how fun! Um, so I mean, it was you know, it's a lot of support. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it was, it was fun. You know, I was hating it afterwards. I'm glad I was that first <laughs> match because I'm like, I am so whooped right now. <laughs> you know, you don't think three minutes is hard, but yes, when somebody's is. punching back at you, you're like, oh my gosh, can we just stop now? <laughs> you're like, stop hitting me. Can we do like two and just say we did three or something? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, oh. it was so horrible. But it, it was a lot of fun, and I still talk to that um, that officer. 
she's uh in our district so she's, I go re- she's ready for a rematch you know I, i've tried to get her and i'm like you know what we need to do like a charity match uh-huh. even just just for garland just to raise for something okay you know um just to try it why not you know she, she's a, a breast cancer survivor so i'm like let's do it raise money for something whatever the charity you want to do you know or even gun, even the guns and hoses or something so i'm trying to talk her into doing another one <laughs> well i love it and i love that you're supporting the charities and i love that you say you became a police officer because you wanted to help people mm-hmm. um and, and you, you you've clearly done a lot of that who are three two or three people who have really helped you and really made a difference for you my family's always been man's always backed me my daughter's always backed me you know she thought it was so cool i was gonna be a police officer <laughs> um and uh you know, just my entire family's backed me before and uh, especially after, you know, it's like it was all up there and my little room was packed full of family and they're like, nope, you can't go in. Nope, nope. You know, and they're like, our family, we're going in. I don't care. You know, mine are like, nope, we're getting through. I don't care who you are. You're a cop. I don't care. There's a cop in there. We're going in. So, um, I mean, they've helped me and um, a lot of my coworkers had, uh, when I was at DART, I'm still in touch with a bunch of them and they helped. And then my current workers at Garland, they all know. And, um, you know, they know when I have my bad days and mm-hmm. um, Swavy with Guns and Hope, they've helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still stay in touch with them. One of the other guys, Chris, he was my daughter's SRO in middle school. So I would always talk to him. They wouldn't open. Um, Maria Alvarado, she really helped her husband, her, her son is a fallen officer from DFW airport and um, Dickies. I mean, y'all felt too. Y'all, I mean, I've been to a couple of events, um, you know, I, I get stuff and they're like, I get the invitation. Hey, come, you know, here. And it's like, okay. And my dad was always like, Ooh, barbecue. Yep. <laughs> we love that. We love the bar. Yep. So, uh, so he, he was always excited and, I think we actually got like a little Dickies apron from one of the barbecue it could be. things and stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, I mean, we love supporting first responders at Dickies. That, that's what, that's yeah. what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. And that's, that's why I love because when I see stuff, um, you know, there's not one where I live, but there's close. So I'm kind of waiting. But, um, you know, if there's something going on, then we always try to make sure we go. And, uh, you know, even if it's just going to the restaurant for a, donation mm-hmm. you know something going on and proceeds go to something and I'm like hey we're at barbecue tonight okay well what's really cool is every big yellow cup uh, the percentage of proceeds come back to the foundation so that means we get to support local first responders with yeah that. so that that's that's a fun thing yes yeah. we love that and, and we we love doing that that way it comes back because then you know where stuff goes you know a right. lot of places you don't know where but as long as you know it's coming back and it's you know no matter what organization it's helping mm-hmm. but if it's one close to home then it just kind of hits a little harder mm-hmm with you for sure so what's next for you i'm wanting to get back into law enforcement Mm full-time so i'm working on that um trying to help my uh my daughter Mm -hmm. she's a a sophomore and she's actually a athletic trainer so i'm trying to help her because that's what i wanted to do Mm -hmm. when i was her age so kind of went off a little bit so i'm hoping she kind of stays the course does it kind of seems a little off? safer? Yeah, it does seem a little safer. She can take people and <laughs> fix their owies. And <laughs> if I get any more, then she can fix me. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, just, I mean, you know, I'm working on my master's. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, you know, I want to finish that and, like I said, get back in law enforcement full time. Maybe do some uh, law enforcement training, try mm-hmm. to get in a position like that so I can train other officers. 
And then, you know, this is the real deal. I've been through it. I got a question. I can most likely answer it. Absolutely. Uh, and just, you know, just try to keep her going. That's so. fantastic. Well, so at the end of all of our interviews, I, I've got, got to turn it back a little bit to Dickie. So I've got to ask favorite Dickie's meat, favorite Dickie's side. Uh, brisket. Fried okra. I love I get either get fried okra <laughs> or the potatoes, the baked potato casserole. Is that the cheese thing? Uh-huh, there's cheese. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, if it's got cheese in it, that's pretty yes. much all eat it. <laughs> See, I'm team mac and cheese, so I mean. My daughter's a mac and cheese. I don't care where it's mac and cheese, so she du- doubles up on it. I'm like, okay, just need a side of mac and cheese, please. It's a lot of carbs. <laughs> My favorite is mac and cheese and the uh, baked potato casserole. I'm like, that's too many carbs. I feel judged if I order that. <laughs> They you know, know me. They'll judge me. Yeah, they don't judge me. You do the same thing. Nobody's looking. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> All right. So we always end up with our lightning round. I'm going to give you two choices and you're going to give me your favorite. All right. We start with an easy one. Barbecue beans or jalapeno beans? Barbecue beans. Sweet or unsweet tea? Unsweet. I know I'm a true Texan. I promise. I mean, I was going to take your Texan card away for that. No. Grew up on grandma's sweet tea that was in the pickle jar. Uh Uh-huh. That, you know, it was like you poured, there was like three quarters sugar, and then you poured (laughs) the hot tea over it to try to mix it. So you're just eating liquidy sugar. Uh Uh-huh. So I grew up on that, so I'm just too, I've been sugared out. Sorry. I I have to unsweet. Please don't take my card. We might take your card. (laughs) All right. Chopped brisket or sliced brisket? Sliced. Sauce or no sauce? Sauce. Like all over? Depends on where I'm at. Okay. Depends. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Brisket or pulled pork? Brisket. And last but not least, ribs or wings? Wings. That, I'm surprised. I usually get ribs, but I, I think know. our wings are pretty delicious. I'm, I'm a wing. I'm a wing person. All my daughter's right. a ribs and I'm a wing. There you go. We got ribs and wings. I love it. <laughs> Y'all, thank you so much for joining me today. My guest today has been Officer Misty McBride. Uh, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for everything you've done for our community, for your bravery, and for your resilience. Thank you for having me on here. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community.